The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to BGN Radio. Why would you listen to any other Eagles <laughs> podcast with John Stolness and Brandon Lee Gowler? Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to BGN Radio. This is episode number 44. I'm John Stolness from BleedingGreenNation.com. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolness. We got a lot to get to here on episode 44 of the podcast. Uh, the Eagles are bringing in a bunch of players for some pre-draft workouts. We'll let you know who's coming to town, uh, who the team wants to take a look at here over the next uh, couple of weeks before the draft. Uh, some news on Michael Bennett's legal future. Malcolm Jenkins makes some eye-opening comments about the CBA. Is Darren Sproles getting ready to come back to the NFL and to the Eagles? And what about the AAF, the collapse of the AAF? That's going away, too. Plus, we're going to have a BGN Radio mailbag. We're going to take some of your questions and uh, give you some answers, hopefully, that uh, make some sense. And they're going to make sense because the guy who's going to answer those questions is the man behind BleedingGreenNation.com. May he forever reign. Brandon Lee Gowton. You can follow him on Twitter at Brandon Gowton. BLG. We got a mailbag, baby. Here we do. Let's do this. Let's roll up our sleeves. Gives the people the answers. John, sounds good. I can't guarantee that the answers will be right or entertaining or anything. You, sure you, you set me up for failure here no. by ensuring this. Uh, I have the utmost no. faith. Two things before we get into tonight's episode. Number one, obviously, I say this at the end of the podcast all the time, but wanted to kind of stress it at the beginning. Reviews, ratings, mm-hmm. five stars. Tell us what you do like, don't like on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. Well, mostly Apple Podcasts. Yeah. Um, please do that. Thank you for doing that if you have already. Look, if you've already done it, you can encourage others who haven't done it to do it. You know, tell your friends, your family. Uh, so we appreciate that as always. And the second thing, John, is I'm starting off the show with a take. Are you Whoa, ready for this Whoa, pound the table. You bet. I have there a take. And the take is that I think the 2019 Phillies are like the 2017 Eagles, John. This is a completely wow. original take. I came up with that on my own. I didn't see anywhere wow. else. Completely my own take, but I just thought I'd throw that out there. <laughs> Originality is everything in this business, isn't it, BLG? Yeah. No, I, I wrote about that for yeah. the good fight, and you were good enough to put that on Bleeding Green Nation on, uh, I believe it was uh, either Tuesday, Monday or Tuesday of this week, right after the three. I wrote that on uh, wrote that on Monday is when I wrote that up, and because I mentioned it on uh, the uh, the Good Fights uh, Hit and Season podcast that I recorded on Sunday night was when I first brought that up. Because, yeah, what you're seeing with the Phillies and the Eagles, very similar. All the celebrations, the fast start they're getting out to. It seems like there's great 
great team chemistry. There's some, so there's veteran leaders on each team. It just, the start of the Philly season, it feels about as fun. And this team looks about as good as that 2017 Eagles uh, team did and how fun that season was with all of the on-field celebrations. So that's where I was coming from with that. And, you know, I, I, they lost on Tuesday. I mean, they lost on Wednesday, but you know, even the Eagles lost their second game of the season against the Chiefs in 2017. So again, another parallel, an early season loss. You know, the Phillies weren't going to go 162 and 0. BLG, what do you know? But um, yeah, man, I I agree with you, and I think your take, the highly original take, is 100% <laughs> accurate, my friend. Absolutely. Well, thank you. I'm glad you agree. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into the show here, man. And uh, we'll start off with some news and notes before we get into the mailbag and a couple of things to clean up as we are getting ready for the NFL draft. And uh, let's talk about some of the players the Eagles are welcoming in for some of these pre-draft visits. A couple of uh, players are interesting to talk about. They're going to be hosting Josh Jacobs, uh, the outstanding young running back who many people believe is the top running back in the draft. He's going to come in for a visit. And now that it's been a week after the Eagles traded for Jordan Howard, BLG, with a week under our belts. Where are you on drafting Josh Jacobs at this point? Do you feel it's any more or less likely that the Eagles will actually take him at number 25? Uh, do, you, do you have a, a stronger feeling one way or the other a week after Jordan Howard uh, is on board? I don't think it's impossible. I think the Eagles still have a clear need for a pass catching running back. You can talk about how Jordan Howard is good in pass protection, and that's what BGN's own Matt Harkin-Reader had mentioned on the site earlier this week. But, you know, you still look at Jordan Howard's receiving numbers, and he has 1.5 receptions per game over his career. Like, you know, he's not really giving you that impact out of the backfield, and even just skill set-wise. Like, he's not that guy who's going to get the ball in his hands and then make people miss. Like, that's just not the kind of player he is. And that's not to say he's useless. I think he has value. He brings value to this team, as we discussed in last week's emergency reaction show. But I just, I still think you need that kind of dynamic, versatile playmaking kind of running back. And I think Josh Jacobs still fits that mold. Now, again, as I've been saying all along, even before the Eagles traded for Jordan Howard, I have a hard time believing for sure that the Eagles are just going to use this first round pick on a running back. So I'm worried of the idea, but I don't think it's impossible. And when you look at the fact that you have Jeff Mosher saying that you shouldn't be shocked if the Eagles take a running back in the first round and that they really like Josh Jacobs. And then you have Jason Locke and Fora, who I know a lot of people are skeptical mm -hmm. of. Uh, <laughs> he said the Eagles are very interested in Josh Jacobs. But skepticism be damned, like everything that we've been hearing kind of lines up with that. Like the things that we've been hearing make me believe those reports from Mosher and Locke and Fora aren't just coming out of nowhere. Like, I think there is some legitimacy to those. Now, how legit are they? I don't know. Again, I just, it's hard for me to see this organization valuing running backs that highly. So I can't say it's like the most likely thing, but I don't think it's out of the question. Again, that need is still there. I, I did, And just because too, like Jordan Howard's only on a one-year deal. So it's not like you just got him and the position is solved forever. Right. Like he's he's here for a year guaranteed for right now. And so I just, I still think running back is a big need for this team. And I think you have to address it in the draft at some point. I think the ideal situation when it comes to Josh Jacobs is maybe he falls out of the first round there, kind of like Dalvin Cook did in 2017. And people didn't expect yeah. that to happen. And maybe you, maybe that's a situation where you're either trading back from 25 or you're trading up from, you know, those second round picks that you have at 53 and 57. So I think that's kind of the more realistic range. I could see the Eagles taking him in if he sneaks into that, you know, the early uh, into the second round there. But I don't know if he will. I mean, Daniel Jeremiah has Josh Jacobs ranked as his number eight overall prospect wow. in this year's class. So 
He might not even make it to 25. Yeah. I don't know. So it's kind of, it'll be interesting to see if he does. Yeah, it's been a while since no running backs went in the first round. I, I was doing, as I was doing some research on it uh, a couple weeks ago, I know it's been at least a few years, but I don't have the number off the top of my head. But a lot of this will come down to whether or not Darren Sproles is coming back, probably. Uh, Darren Sproles has uh, reported this week that he's leaning towards continuing his career. And you wonder if that's the case, would it be here in Philadelphia? And if that's the case, would they have the need to go after Josh Jacobs? But like you just mentioned Sproles would probably be on a one-year deal as well so you you, again you're and that's the thing here as as the Eagles are looking at first round picks BLG and I imagine we'll jump into this a little bit when we get into the uh, into the mailbag but uh, a lot of these positions where the the Eagles have signed some guys this year they're only on one-year deals and so when you're looking at players early in the draft here you're looking at guys you want to have for four or five years and just because they they acquired some guys at different positions at safety at uh, defensive line wherever it might happen to be they might still go after some of those guys uh, you know and in, in, in with their first uh, with their first round pick or one of their uh, two uh, second round picks here and so yeah that's why Josh Jacobs with Jordan Howard on on, on the team doesn't necessarily mean they're not gonna they're not gonna bring him aboard here what's your thinking on Darren Sproles would you be okay if Darren Sproles is the pass catching back next season? I, I just don't feel like I can trust that. So what Darren Sproles basically said, and he had talked to um, Dave Weinberg from the press of Atlantic City, I believe at a charity event in Atlantic City over the weekend, was something about how you know he's going to make his decision, well, in May, which is you know after the draft. And I don't really know if it's necessarily his decision to make if he wants to come back. I think he does want to come back. Like I, I don't think that's so much the question. It's more of the question of, okay, do the Eagles really want him back? And really, do they need him back, especially depending how the draft goes? And if I have to guess, I think that's kind of what the situation is shaping up to be right now in the sense that the Eagles are going to go into the draft. They're going to see what they come out with it if they come out, you know, with a pass catching running back. And I think at that point, maybe, and especially, you know, if that guy is like a day one or a day two pick, as opposed to like, you know, someone you're getting in the seventh round, I think it's at that point where they, they're like, okay, uh, we still have a need at this spot. And I think at the, that's the point where they would bring Darren Sproles back. Uh, that's kind of what they did last year. Like they went into the draft. They didn't really get a running back who kind of filled that need for them. So they just brought Darren Sproles back right after the draft. So I think it's the same kind of template they're going to follow this year. And I guess, you know, we don't know for sure if they're going to get that running back. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. we thought they were going to get that guy, or at least I thought they were going to get that guy in 2017. You know, it was the deepest class in years they were talking about. And it just felt like, oh, they're definitely going to get a guy. And they did get a yeah. guy, but the wrong guy. Know, Donald Pumphrey, <laughs> not exactly. You just don't know for sure if you're always going to be able to get that prospect, you think. You know, this isn't said to be a good year for running backs anyway. So it's kind of like if you miss out on adding a Josh Jacobs or a Daryl Henderson, it's not like, you know, the class is just loaded and you can for sure get one later. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's kind of fluid, this, this role situation. I don't really hate bringing him back if you don't address it. I mean, I'd rather have him than no one, but... Uh, he shouldn't be the right. Prior. Well, there's also Duke Johnson out there who is rumored to be available in a trade, and and yes. we'll get into some potential uh, trade scenarios for Duke Johnson in the mailbag as well coming up here in just a few minutes. But also looking at some of the other uh, positions, Eagles are bringing some of the uh, draft prospects in. We're, we're seeing a lot of cornerbacks being brought in by the Eagles here for some pre-draft workouts, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me because the cornerback room would seem to be pretty much stocked to the gills right now with with everybody they have on board. So what do you what do you make of all the cornerbacks they're bringing in? Here's the thing, John. I don't know how a cornerback fits into this team. Like I 
I get the because we're seeing cornerbacks get mocked to the Eagles too, aren't we? I mean, we're seeing that quite a bit. Yeah, I I get I kind of get where that comes from in the sense of not because of so much. I think it's realistic for the Eagles. Just in the and I get what mock drafters are thinking because when you look at the board, the way it shapes out a lot of the times for the Eagles around there, there's like no really great defensive lineman options left. Although I, I think Jerry Tillery is usually there and they don't give him him. They don't give the Eagles him. Uh, they they kind of just go corner there because I, I guess it kind of ends up being like some kind of combination of best player available. And they look at the fact that the Eagles had so many cornerback issues last year that, you know, that's where they, that's where it's coming from. But when you look deeper into it and you look at, you know, the position as a whole and who's all there, I just don't understand how that cornerback fits in because to me, there are six locks on this Eagles roster at cornerback to make the team. And that is Brown Darby, who the Eagles brought back, you know, right. <laughs> like in free right. agency. So they clearly have plans for him. Like they, they're, and they gave him what, 6.5 million and like up to 8 million. Like, so he is clearly like a significant factor in their plans. They have Jalen Mills, who the coaching staff is very high on. Now, Ronald Darby and Jalen Mills both have injury situations, but you would think that they're going to be around at some point. At the very least, you know, maybe he goes on the PUP list, uh, Mills. Um, but maybe he's ready sooner. I don't know. So then you have those two, your two starters from 2018. Then you have Sidney Jones, who was a second round pick in 2017, who has been injured a lot. And you don't want to put a lot of, I think, too much stock in, you know, because you just don't even know if he's going to be available. But I mean, you're not giving up on him just yet, especially a year after right. where he was the starting nickel corner and he was, you know, the it was his first real year and he's still only like 22 years old. So I don't, or 23 years old. So you're not giving up on him. That's three. You have Rizal Douglas who you drafted in the third round a couple of years ago and who played well down the stretch last year. And he had some moments as a rookie in 2017. So like you're not cutting him. <laughs> he's, he's shown some flashes of being able to start. Then you have Avante Maddox who played, incredibly well at times last year it really like you feel like you have to find a way to get him on the field is that a corner is that a safety we don't fully know they can move him around but he feels like he has to be playing in some capacity and th- so that's four then you have Kevon LeBlanc who played really well down the stretch and I don't think you know he's necessarily guaranteed a ton you know he played well in a small sample size I think like I don't think he's necessarily guaranteed a starting right, job right, right, so right. I'm trying to say but I think he's definitely making the team yeah. like I, I just unless he totally falls off this summer like he's played well enough to to really I think be already in that conversation um and who did I leave out see I'm already I said five who's the sixth guy that I'm not even thinking um, of here um well if, I mean you're gonna I mean the five is is pretty is pretty solid there I mean so yeah I mean, the point is you want to invest a first round pick in in a cornerback when you've got even just those five already in the room so I just don't like where does that first round pick fit in like what is he doing like what role is he serving on this team and I don't think just be I mean just because you draft someone in the first round doesn't mean they have to start as a rookie like I get there's you know you draft for the future in some sense but like at the same time this feels like a team that's trying to win now like right. the, the moves they've made in free agency the way they've manipulated the cap space like they're trying to win now that doesn't mean you just draft a player who necessarily is only good for this year but like to me, to get no kind of value out of a first-round corner, which to me kind of looks like it would be the case, I just don't understand how that fits the vision here. I, I get it beyond this year in the sense that, you know, Jalen Mills is going to be a free agent. Ronald Darby's going to free be a free agent. Sidney Jones has been hurt. Avante Maddox doesn't have a set position. Russell Douglas has shown flashes of being good, but he's also struggled at times. So, like, I get the long-term need at that position, but I just don't get the, like, this the short-term need. It's just, I, I don't understand how it fits. And... I feel like, okay, 
you can get a corner on day two or day three and have him be that hopefully kind of long-term guy who might be able to step up next year or fits in more of the long-term. But I just I, I just don't see how it makes sense at 20. The Eagles are also bringing in a big-bodied slot receiver, and this is like the second one of those type of guys that they've brought in uh, for a pre-draft meeting. Does this say anything to you? I don't. It's weird, right? I mean, it's it's kind of bizarre. Like, I was shocked or I was mildly surprised, I guess, to see that they're bringing in Nikhil Harry because right now, Nelson Aguilar, Deshaun Jackson, and Alshon Jeffrey are combining to, to, I think they're like the highest paid trio in terms of cap space, at least, of wide receivers, starting wide receivers in the NFL. You know, why are the Eagles bringing in these kind of slot guys? And now Nelson Aguilar is obviously going to be a free agent after this season. So you're looking ahead to the future. I get that. But I also wonder kind of, or do they plan to move on? from Nelson Aguilar sooner than after mm. this year. Yeah, could that be a thing that happens? Like maybe you get a guy like that and then you're moving Nelson Aguilar at that point. Yeah. So I don't know. It's kind of interesting to me. And again, just kind of what the 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 profile there is too. And Akil Harry and A.J. Brown, the other guy they brought in, those guys aren't, I think, like strictly wide receivers, uh, slot receivers. Like they, they can play on the outside too, but there is some kind of big slot projection there. And it almost kind of makes me wonder, is that something the Eagles want to add here? Like, did they add, do they want to add even more size uh, in the slot? That's kind of interesting to me. So it might be nothing kind of just like, I don't think the cornerback visits make a ton of sense. I, I think the wide receiver pick there isn't the most likely thing, but it's certainly something that's on their radar. You know, if they're bringing these guys in, they're doing their homework on them. So it's kind of interesting. It's between that, like between that cornerback thing and this wide receiver thing, and even the Josh, Jacobs rumors like I think the Eagles are kind of doing a good job of making uh, sure we don't really know what their plans are (laughs) and we really don't it's it's a it's it's a total mystery and and there's no uh, consensus among the mocks that are out there uh, as far as what the Eagles are going to do at 25 even whether they're going to stay at 25 and there's a lot of conversation out there about what there's a million different ways that they could go uh, with that pick so uh, one non-draft guy who they're bringing in uh, to get a look at is uh, former AAF quarterback Luis Perez uh, to potentially battle Nate Sudfeld during the course of the uh, during the course of the summer to perhaps uh, battle for the backup quarterback job. I mean, I know that, you know, the Eagles want to invest and work on developing young quarterbacks like they used to during the Andy Reid days. But reading a little bit about Perez, I know he got off to a pretty good start in the AAF, but then struggled and lost his starting job. That does not, to me, sound like the pedigree of a guy that I'd be terribly interested in, BLG. What do you make of this? Yeah, I mean, the stats aren't good. (laughs) You look at his AAF stats, and he completed only 52.3% of his attempts for 5.6 yards per attempt. He had five touchdowns, six interceptions, and a 65.9 passer rating. And he rushed 24 times for 75 yards. Like those, those are horrible numbers. Those are very bad numbers. Now, so why are the Eagles interested in him? If I'm trying to make sense of this, I think I look at the fact that this kid is only 24 years old. You know, he's undrafted free agent last year. He measures in at 6'3", 222 pounds. So he has, you know, capable size. He's not like one of these guys who's, uh, you know, like a Joe Callahan. He's only like 5'11", you know, right. and he's really tiny, and he's clearly just probably not, uh, doesn't have the the body of a typical NFL starter. I mean, there's exceptions like Russell Wilson, but, you know, that's the exception and not the rule. So uh, he has some size. The numbers are bad. 
but he kind of has an interesting background. You know, he didn't play much high school football. He actually like did bowling instead. <laughs> <laughs> I was reading about this um, on this site called thetowerlight.com. And then he walked on at a junior college. And then he transferred to Division II Texas A&M Commerce, which sounds like a fake made-up name school to me, having never heard of that before. Uh, and he completed 67.5% of his attempts there for 8.5 yards per attempt. He had 78 touchdowns and just 14 interceptions in two seasons. Now, again, this is Division II level, but he didn't have a lot of experience. That's still like kind of impressive just to kind of come in here and to put up that kind of production in two years. So that got him a spot with the Rams last year. And, he, you know, he didn't really do much for them in the offseason. But I just, if you're the Eagles and you're looking at him, like clearly you're not going off of like, oh, this guy has produced before. He's just a total wild card. And I, I there must be something about like either his athleticism or, you know, there's been a lot of talk about his maturity, which I think like, if that's what your number one quality for a quarterback, you know, it's kind of like not the biggest to me, you know, at least like, like, okay, this guy's okay. Like anyone can kind of be really mature. Like if, if do you have talent? And I guess the Eagles think he kind of does. And now I, I don't think it's to the point, you know, where he's seriously in a battle to dethrone Nate Sudfeld or anything. I think if you sign Luis Perez, he's kind of going to be like last year's version of Joe Callahan, except you could have the potential to actually keep him on the practice squad and, and kind of try to develop him over time. I think the Eagles might look at him and be like, we don't really care about his lack of production because we see here a player that if we get into an NFL system, like because he's just been so raw and he's never had like this this stability in this kind of environment, like they believe in their coaching enough, I guess, that they feel like they can get something out of him, or at least he's worth a look over yeah. time. And I, I don't love it. I, I just based on the fact that I feel like, you know, if these tools are there, you would see more production from that, but they, they probably know a lot more than me about well. <laughs> evaluating quarterbacks and such. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm willing to give him a shot in the off season. I mean, the Eagles only have, Carson Wentz and Nate Sudfeld under contract right now. And usually you're going to carry four yeah, yeah. quarterbacks or so, or even five in training camp. So if he's going to be your camp arm, like I don't hate it. I, I'm willing to take a look. It's better than Christian Hackenberg, right? I mean, that we went through that whole spiel. Oh yeah, way better. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going yes. to step away, take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about Michael Bennett, Malcolm Jenkins, and get into the mailbag. All that coming up next right here on BGN Radio. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And we're back on BGN Radio. Uh, just finishing up a couple of uh, odds and ends here before we get to the mailbag and answer your Eagles questions as we are just a couple of weeks away from the NFL draft. Uh, BLG, Michael Bennett's felony charge was dismissed. Remember uh, that uh, Michael Bennett was charged with a felony after reportedly uh, knocking over a uh, a person who was a handicapped person at the Super Bowl. An elderly. elderly yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, apparently uh, authorities feel like they didn't have enough evidence to go forward 
forward with a case against Michael Bennett. So we still never learned the, the whole story behind that, whether or not it was true, but I guess there's not enough evidence. So Michael Bennett, now with the Patriots, of course, is certainly not going to face any kind of discipline from the league either, I wouldn't imagine. Well, he's still subject to the league's personal conduct policy. So who knows? You know, like you look at Nigel Bradham, and I believe he was cleared for at least some of the charges he had against him a couple of years ago. And he still got originally a six game suspension that got knocked down to only one game with an appeal. So it's always possible, you know, that the league kind of there was a suspension on him. But yeah, I mean, it's it's not a good look for Houston Police Chief Art. Uh, Acevedo, who last Art year, Octavado, yeah, yeah, who like said he's morally yeah. bankrupt. So, <laughs> uh, not the best look for him. I mean, obviously, um, they said that there was enough evidence to make that allegation originally, but they said there wasn't enough to actually act on it and convict him of anything ultimately. So, he's walking clear. I think the Eagles, you know, probably had a sense that he wasn't going to get mm-hmm. in major trouble. Just the fact that it was pushed back so yes. far and seemingly not at much controversy over time. But still, you know, I think I don't think it was the sole reason they got rid of him by any means. But I think it was still something that kind of factored into the decision of like, OK, th- this is still out there. We don't know exactly what's going on with that. Uh, it's just another yeah. factor in the whole decision making process. And real quick, uh, Malcolm Jenkins had some interesting, interesting things to say about the collective bargaining agreement talks uh, that uh, they're not going to be as simple this time around, according to him. He said, quote, you have more players like myself who've been through the lockout before, saw how the NFLPA leadership handled that into where we are now, which I don't think was a bad deal. But there is a lot that I feel like we want to get back as players or get as players. Uh, This current agreement that was signed in 2011 BLG uh, expires after the 2020 season and the current CBA came after a lockout. I know there's some conversation that we're a couple seasons away from this, but whenever you hear talk about labor unrest and lockouts and all that, you worry about an NFL season. I don't know. Any any thoughts on what Malcolm had to say here or is it still a little bit too far out to, to really get worried about anything? I think there's a pretty good chance it could happen. I mean, I don't think we, I mean, again, this is very early, but I, I would kind of assume it's kind of like last time a little bit in that there's probably going to be some kind of labor dispute, but it won't end up costing games because I just think there's too much at stake there. But look, I don't think the CBA is very player friendly at all. So I think Malcolm Jenkins saying this stuff is, uh, I think him saying it's not a bad deal is kind of like him trying to save face a little bit for the PA there. Cause I think if he was being really honest and he, you know, that kind of scrutiny wasn't out there. If he could just speak freely, I think he would say it's not a good deal. Cause I don't think it is for the players. They don't get much. They, they don't have a lot of security <laughs> by any means. Uh, so, and ultimately, you know, as a fan, sometimes like you want to see that selfishly for your favorite team, because if you sign this player and he, he sucks or he gets hurt after a couple of years, like you want to be able to move on from that. But, you know, you look at other leagues like baseball and NBA and they have fully guaranteed contracts. And I don't think we're going to see that as regularly in the NFL ever, just because the nature of the sport and yeah. injury. But I mean, we're starting to see it a little bit. I mean, Kirk, cousins your, your favorite fair, quarterback you know, over there John, got a fully guaranteed contract <laughs> you do and there's talk that russell wilson with his potential new contract here instead of having like actual like salary numbers per year like he's going to make 35 million dollars this year there's talk that he could get percentages mm-hmm. of the team's cap space in, instead which would be you know kind of yeah. unprecedented like we haven't yeah. seen that yet so uh, and maybe like maybe if that happens maybe players try to fight for that a little bit more and try to, you know, get that 
uh, going for their next labor dispute. So I think it's, you know, you don't want to panic about it just yet because we have a couple of seasons to play before we get to that point. But I definitely think in a couple of years, we we could be experiencing some very bad off-season times. I mean, I remember how bad the lockout was in 2011 where we were just following stuff on Twitter, really, like, no one even knows about, for, for most people. Like, you know, it's a bunch of football people analyzing these injunctions and court oh, orders, Lord. and it's just, like, it's so yeah. stupid, ultimately. And it's just... And there's, like, this thing, and it makes it's, it seems like there's progress, but then there's actually none. So, yeah, I'm not looking forward to that when that comes. All right, well, BLG, uh, let's jump into the mailbag here. We haven't done a mailbag. I don't know if we, you and I together have ever done a mailbag, so this is a good time to do it here as the uh, the offseason uh, is fully underway and we're getting ready for the draft here. And so we got a, a few draft questions here, but we're going to start off with a, a Howie Roseman trade question here, and this comes from Steve Merkley at Alchiality. Uh, and he writes, what value would you be willing to give up for Duke Johnson? Talking about a player, pick, or combination, BLG. What what kind of value are you looking at for a, a running back who is one of the best pass-catching running backs in the NFL? I think it's a fourth. Mm. I do. I, I know that. can I can be talked into a fourth. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think a fifth doesn't get it done for the Browns necessarily. If I had to guess, I think the Browns want a three for him. I think that's Ooh. probably what's holding it up. And I think the Eagles might be offering like, a five or a four. Um, I think that's kind of like the tipping point of where I wouldn't do it. Yeah. Like three, well, three is, it's just, it's tough. It's a little high to get Duke Johnson. I think still would be pretty awesome because he's under contract. And I think a reasonable salary for the next couple of years. He is youngish. He is very productive. He's exactly what the Eagles need in terms of skill set as a pass catching running back. So I would love to have him. I would love to fill that need and then go into the draft and not have to worry about it. And, and maybe they can get him after the draft if they don't get that running back that they want who fits that role in the draft. And maybe that's what they're waiting for at this point. But I would just, you know, I just, the thing that makes me anxious is that they're going to go into this draft this year and they're going to come out of it with, you know, without a, an option that they like kind of like they did in 2017 or an option that feels great. And uh, I kind of just don't want to worry about that. And so to me, it would kind of be nice to just fix that outright from the onset and go into that. But where they are, I think they don't necessarily like need to force that right now because I think they can. I think they're the ones who kind of have some time to kind of figure it out and see what they can get. Like they don't need to be in this panic rush to get Duke Johnson because if they do that, you know, it's gonna, only going to help the Browns leverage, and they're going to be like, okay, well, if you want him this bad, you're going to have yeah. to pay this much. Ultimately, I think the Browns are kind of going to lose the waiting game here because Duke Johnson has reportedly made it clear that he wants out. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, I think, you know, their their leverage has been ruined a little bit in the sense of before it seemed like, you know, they didn't really need to trade him and they still don't necessarily need to. But if he's going to hold out, I mean, he's going to try to force their hand. So I think it could get done at some point, And I would love to have. What about chance. a third next year? Like a, because you're going to have all these comp picks, you would th- you would think oh. if it's a third in next year's draft, with yeah. all the comp picks they're going to be getting. You might be able to trade back into the third round. Mm. Maybe. And maybe if it is like that, too, maybe if you're specifically giving up a third round comp pick, because then it's guaranteed, you know, late at the end of the Mm. third. And it's not like an early third. Uh, Should something go wrong with the Eagles or, you know, or like a a middle third, you know, again, something goes wrong. But I think that's a good point, John. The fact that they're going to have so many picks next year with these comp picks, I think that gives them a little bit. Uh, it gives them an ability to be a little bit more aggressive yeah. in terms of like with what they're going to give up 
And it, look, if they're going to, again, it kind of goes back to this idea of window, what we're talking about. If they feel like there's this window in 2019 where they're really trying to win, then I think you have to get aggressive a little bit and you can't just hold on to all those picks and just, you know, be like, well, we have to worry about the future. I mean, you do, but you have to balance that. And if, you know, you're going to be pushing the, if, you're, if your foot's on the pedal here and you're going to be aggressive, I think, you know, there's some prudence to making an aggressive it move. It would be like interesting if the Eagles are able to, given how um, how many rushing yards Jordan Howard has put up uh, these last three years, they got Jordan Howard for a sixth round pick next year. That could be a fifth based on certain different markers, how many yards he gets or whatever the, whatever the stipulation is. And then if you have to give up a third mm-hmm. for Duke Johnson, you know, that's, that's quite a difference, you know, <laughs> even, even there's between a fourth and a sixth for Jordan Howard and Duke Johnson, uh, it would be, would be eye opening. So, um, but that's probably something the Eagles are considering as well. Big schmoopy at big schmoopy asks, he had a couple of questions here. I thought we could get into first. Are you a game of Thrones guy, BLG? Okay. Yes. All right. Well, then sure. this will be right up your alley then. Who is sitting on the Iron Throne at the end of Game of Thrones? And I don't watch it a lot, but I know what's oh. going on. Uh, so I'll I'll hazard a guess here too. Well, spoiler yeah. warning: if you haven't watched yes. it already, obviously skip yeah. ahead fifteen or thirty yeah. seconds or whatever. Don't want to spoil anything for anyone. Really good question. Oh man, I I, I feel like I haven't put enough I know, thought into either. this. Um, it could be the night. <laughs> yeah, King, it could right? be. It could be the. It could be the night king. It could be the. You know, the cold lord. It could be. I'm going. I'm going way outside the box because I know most people are going to pick Jon Snow. Most people are going to pick Daenerys. Most mm-hmm. people Cersei. What? It's, it's, too, it's obvious. too obvious. I'm going Tyrion. Yeah, how could you pick that? Because because he it, mm, like if okay. they all die, he's a Lannister. Right. I mean, he would have, I guess, a claim of some kind, wouldn't he? And I feel like that's what this whole show has been building up to. Okay, I'm just going out there on that one. Anyway, Big Schmoopy also asks, do Howie and Joe Douglas really draft the best player available in the first round here at BLG? And I think the easy answer to this question is yes, because they they haven't filled. they, They basically filled most of their needs in free agency. Really, the one need, as you mentioned, is a pass catching running back. But and I don't think you see them as as going in that direction here in the first round. I think so. I mean, obviously not a tight end. <laughs> like <laughs> right. if it's a tight end, it's just yeah. not. Yeah, it's not happening. I really have a hard time seeing corner unless it's if it's a corner, it has to be like, oh man, this guy is like so much clearly better than everyone else on the board. Like not just like, oh, he's kind of better than the other guy. Like that kind of best player available. It would have to be like obvious best player available to me to see corner happen. But I mean, with that said, I, I just you know if I have to guess, I still feel like you know defensive line is the pretty safe bet and just the best available guy. Yeah, defensive end, edge rusher, tackle. You bet. Errol at Errol K thirty five. Five uh, asks Nasir Adderley or Christian Wilkins at 25 if both are available. What's the better option, short term or long term? With Rodney on a one year deal, talking about Rodney McLeod, we have a big question mark at safety past this season. So for BLG, if, if Nasir Adderley or Christian Wilkins are both sitting there at 25, which one are you going for? Christian Wilkins. Yeah. Easy to me. Uh, I think the need, first of all, for defensive interior help there is bigger. And I just think Wilkins is the better prospect anyway. So I could see simple. Nasir, though. And I know a couple of I've seen a couple of mocks with Nasir going to the Eagles here, too, because Rodney McLeod is uh, on a one year deal. And because um, uh, uh, who's the guy they just Zendejo is on a one year deal as well. So, yes. I mean, you do you, you would be drafting for the future there, too, because you probably lose both those guys next year and you'd have a guy that you could move right in. It would make sense to me. Also, Nasir makes the more I thought about it, the more 
drafting Nasir at, at number 25 started to make a little bit more sense, BLG. Yeah, I think safety in the first round actually makes a lot of sense. Again, like you kind of just talked about, the future need is there for sure. And there's a short-term need there too. I think especially because if you draft a rookie safety in the first round and that guy can conceivably help you this year, you can cut Andrew Sandejo he wouldn't count against your comp pick formula anymore. And that's big because currently as it stands, uh, the Eagles are not going to get a fourth round pick for uh, either Jordan Hicks or um, Golden Mm -hmm. Tate, depending on how you cancel it out. And I think it's technically the Hicks pick. So I don't think the Eagles are going to want to forfeit that just to keep Sandejo potentially or LJ for either of those guys technically kind of cancels that out currently. And that could change still. You know, Jay could sign tomorrow right, for all right, I right. know. Or Stefan Wisniewski could sign tomorrow. Or Jernigan or, who, or Mike Wasser or whoever. So there's still time for that to change up until I think May 7th it is when that deadline for comp picks changes. But for now, I would think that Corey Nelson – or hmm, I, I gave it away. I think <laughs> Andrew Sandejo could be this year's Corey Nelson where he, he signed relatively somewhat early in free agency and you, you figure he's going to make the team. He's a veteran at a position of need. But I think, you know, if you get that safety who can replace him and he's younger and he's cheaper, then you can cut Sandejo. You can save 800K in cap space and you can potentially give yourself a fourth round pick. So, yeah, I think it makes sense. Alexander Birch at Birchbeer1594 asks, who would you want the Eagles to draft if it came down to Ed Oliver and Montez Sweat, BLG? Ed Oliver, to me. I think he, again, better prospect. Sweat has some real... Um, real impressive production, some real impressive athleticism, but there's still kind of like some question marks there uh, overall with him off the field. I know there's some kind of things there and, and Oliver too, the, there's some stuff there too. So it's not, I'm not saying he doesn't, but just, I, I just love the idea of adding Ed Oliver next to Fletcher Cox and having him there, you know, with Malik Jackson. I just think that's, that's so much pass rush <laughs> juice from the interior and I, I just love that idea. And I don't think, again, I don't think either of those players will be available to the Eagles, to be clear. But I think Oliver is is the guy from those two. All right, BLG, up next, Joseph Callas at Joseph Callas asks, who will the Eagles get to add talent or depth to our linebacking core? It's a weird spot because, like, they technically have a need there, right? I mean, you lost Jordan Hicks. Who's, who's starting at middle linebacker right now, John? Like, who's starting? Answer that question for me. Yeah, you don't know. <laughs> exactly. Like It's not like, bam, the answer is there. So there's some guys in the mix. You know, there's Paul Warlow. There's LJ Fort, who the Eagles seemingly have a plan for, potentially to start. So we'll see how that goes. Kamu, Nate Gary, they have guys there. And it's still very possible that they could trade for a veteran linebacker or still sign someone off the street at some point. So they have options there. And I think that's part of why, you know, we're not necessarily collectively panicking because it's it's kind of too early and they could even draft someone. But um, it's going to be interesting to see how they fill that spot. I think they're going to see, I think they like what they have enough right now to not be panicked about it. I think that's clear. The fact that they brought in LJ4 and they have those guys that I just mentioned, I don't think they're going out there and they're they're really like panicking about this a ton but i think it's something certainly on their radar that they plan to address a little bit more whether again that's free agency or trade or draft so we'll see that happen no i agree blg i don't think they're gonna add any significant pieces to the linebacking core until after the nfl draft and even after that it's probably just going to be more depth than anything that's got a lot of anybody who's really talented in any way shape or form it's just not a position that they value a whole lot all right let's step away take our last break and uh, we'll answer a few more mailbag questions up next on bgn radio 
All right, we're back with BGN Radio, and let's jump right back into the mailbag here, BLG. Elbizzle8 at Elbizzle8 asks, Will the Eagles trade one of their defensive backs before the season? And if so, which defensive back could be on the move? I mean, I think that is the only way drafting a corner makes sense. Like, that's the only, like you're going to have to make room for, in, in terms of the first round, uh, you have to make room for somebody somewhere. Uh, so I don't think it's Dylan Mills. Uh, he's hurt and he's on the last year of his deal. I don't really think there's, you know, what are you getting for that? It's not going to be Ronald Darby. I, you didn't sign him just to trade him. That, I, they're not trading Maddox. They're not trading, I don't think they're trading LeBlanc. I mean, other they could, I guess, if some team gets desperate for nickel corner help um, and he's only on a one-year deal. I guess that leaves Rizul or S- Sydney. Yeah, but I just feel like, you know, what's... What kind of value does Sydney really have? He's been so hurt. Like I just feel like his value to the Eagles has to be higher than it would to another team. Like what? How, how could you give up anything for him? Like I know that he has potential, but like he's been hurt. It's not a good investment in my opinion. So I think it would have to be Rizul. I think he's shown flashes of starting ability. A team could be really desperate for corner help, and they could maybe give the Eagles like a fourth for him. I, I don't know if that moves the needle enough, but. Um, I guess it would be him if anyone. All right. Philly Nova at JJ Burnbaum asks, better wedding present for our buddy Ben Solak, a San Diego State Donnell Pumphrey jersey or or a voice modulator software? I'm not exactly sure where he's going with the the last part of that question. I think Ben does a a fine job. He's got a great radio voice or podcasting voice or whatever, very distinctive. But I do think the San Diego State Donnell Pumphrey jersey is hilarious. It would be. And congratulations to our buddy Ben Solak uh, for uh, getting engaged. Uh, um, congratulations to the young man. But I just p- picturing him in a, in a San Diego State Denel Pumphrey jersey cracks me up, BLG. I mean, we made, and by we, I mean, I think him and Kissed, but I, I also helped prompt this last year that if Donald Pumphrey ever scores an NFL touchdown, specifically with the Eagles, I guess we said, but I really think we should just broaden it to if he ever does it with any team, then Ben Solak has to get that jersey. And, and if he's going to, if he's going to get the jersey, if he had, if he, if he has to wear it, it's got to be in public someplace. You know, he's, he's yes. got to go to a restaurant or something like that. He's oh, got to, yeah. he's got to go out someplace in public where somebody can take a picture because yes. yeah, that's going to be important. Javier MZ at Imported Goods asks, how much will Carson Wentz's new contract be? Average per year and guarantees when and when will it happen? And uh, I took the some time to, to jot down some of the uh, recent quarterback extension signings and some of the deals uh, that recent quarterbacks have signed to give you an idea of where Wentz might fall in here. Aaron Rodgers signed a four-year $134 million deal with $98.2 million guaranteed at $33.5 million a year. Matt Ryan, five years, $150 million with $94.5 million guaranteed. $30 million a year average. Kirk Cousins, three years, $84 million, all $84 million guaranteed, $28 million a season. Jimmy Garoppolo, five years, $137.5 million, only $48.7 million of that is guaranteed at $27.5 million a year. Drew Brees signed a two-year $50 million deal, and Alex Smith with a four-year $94 million deal, $55 million guaranteed. I'm looking at that Garoppolo contract. I think Carson Wentz is going to get more than the $48.7 million guaranteed that Garoppolo does, but I think the rest of those numbers could look pretty similar. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it goes back to, I think, what we've been saying this whole offseason is that the Eagles should be motivated to get this done as soon as possible. They should want to sign Carson Wentz as soon as they possibly can, but I just don't think the motivation from his side is there, and I think the motivation should be, again, from the Eagles' side, and I think it is. I think you look at Russell Wilson, you know, this contract – this mega contract for him, which, by the way, he set a deadline apparently for the 15th, is looming here. And I mentioned earlier in the show, this could be a deal that instead of 
you know, these large cap numbers such as 30 million set in stone, he's getting a percentage of the salary cap. Like that's how they're uh, working it in there. And I think that kind of scares you a little bit in in some ways if you're the Eagles, because if Russell Wilson gets that deal and then all of a sudden you're waiting on Carson Wentz and he has another great season, which he easily could coming into this year, then all of a sudden after the 2019 season, you're paying him a lot more than you could have had him at or right right now and again i think carson wentz is smart and he knows that as well so he's not going to sign that deal right now but maybe you there's some kind of compromise there you know where they can they can find a number that is enticing enough to carson to sign right now and gives him reason to get that deal but at the same time it offers the team some kind of relative quote-unquote bargain you know moving forward as opposed to waiting and all these deals getting done and all of a sudden now they're paying the highest value that they possibly could have paid instead of getting it done sooner all right next sean lamont at 11 the goat asks what's your ideal opponent for week one and uh if you don't mind i'll i'll take this one first here i would like to see them play the new york giants week one we, we know the giants stink they're a lousy team but the team will get up for it because it's a because it's the giants because it's a big rival and and uh, i think that that that's a game the eagles can and will win you want to get off to a one and zero start but it's a game that'll have some juice but uh how about you who do you who do you think their week one opponent would be should be i like where your head is at i do like the week one divisional game uh you saw that in 2017 and keeping with that theme uh, i really love that game being against Washington because, you know, prior to that game, the Eagles had struggled to beat Washington for too long, way too long years before that and seasons before that. I think they hadn't beaten them since the 2014 season, the first meeting prior to that week one win in 2017. So it was just it was way too long in that vein, you know, having lost to Dallas twice last year. I want to see the Eagles start the season against the Cowboys. And by the way, I don't think that happens at all. I don't think we see that, but I would love to. I would love to just like, let's get the monkey offer back right away. You know, let's let's play Dallas week one and kind of just set the tone for the season there and beat them finally. Now, now you talk about it. Sunday night football with the Dallas Cowboys uh, in Philadelphia or in Dallas would be would be pretty sweet. And I think some people would watch for sure. <laughs> um, Niels Rosenquist at Niels Rosenquist asks your top five picks in terms of in terms of value for draft slot of the Howie Roseman era. And I just went and looked at the last three drafts here mm. uh, because these are the drafts that Howie Roseman uh, has uh, has uh, really been in control of. You want me to go first your BLG or do you want to? I'll let you start it off. All right. Well, let me start off with number five, Derek Barnett. Um, I think, you know, Barnett has all the talent in the world. Uh, he's just missed most of it last year with an injury, but I think he's going to have a good season this year. Number four, Isaac Sayamalo. Uh, number three, Avante Maddox. I have Jalen Mills at number two because he was a seventh round pick. You don't get anything good with your seventh round pick. And Jalen mm-hmm. Mills has turned into a pretty good cornerback. And I've got Carson Wentz at number one. What's your list? Interesting. I feel like I have to go Fletcher Cox, number one. I'm starting it the other way around. And yeah, it's kind of hard to say in terms of the credit slash blame parsing when it comes to Howie. But I feel like that that one stands out to me from the top just because Fletcher wasn't supposed to fall that far. You know, the Eagles traded up to get him. And I think that was easily worth it to get. And by the way, uh, Howie always tells that story of like, you know, they drafted him. They traded up and I think and got to that spot. And I think some other team then wanted to trade up to that spot the Eagles just traded up to. So, uh, you know, there was a high demand for Fletcher Cox there. And the Eagles were thankfully lucky to get into the position there and get him. He's so good. When I think of other value moves, it's not a pick. But one thing that always stood out to me, so I'm really I'm really doing a bad job of answering this question, Niels, because I'm kind of just going all off the board. And Niels, by the way, great loyal listener and a contributor to BTN last year at a point where we uh, he wrote a, a good how-to troll 
Boston fans because he lives up there in Massachusetts uh, for the Super Bowl. So, so sorry, Niels, that I'm doing a terrible job of this, but I always think of the the Bryce Brown, same draft class, by the way, 2012, Bryce Brown selection, and then the ability to flip him. You took him as a seventh rounder, and then they got a, I believe, ultimately a fourth for him from the Bills. Like, that was robbery. Bryce Brown was not that good, ultimately. <laughs> so uh, I always think that's one of Howie's signature moves when it comes to the draft. And uh, yeah, I'm not going to five. I'm just doing a really bad job of answering this question. All right, and finally, BLG, our last question of the night. Matt at GoJax underscore asks, when was the last time in Philly sports history where three of the four major teams were this good? And and we are really having a great run right now where you've got uh, the Sixers, our Eastern Conference title contenders. Uh, you've got uh, the, the Eagles are going to be Super Bowl contenders and the Phillies are World Series contenders right now. All three teams are really fun. There's a lot of juice in this city, man. It's just a it's a great time to to be a Philly sports fan. What do you think? Yeah, it's funny. People ask this question and I've gotten this question before and it's like, I'm only 27, so I don't feel like super qualified to answer this. I feel like almost never, right? I mean, like the Eagles never won a Super Bowl before. And the fact that they did a year ago is still pretty fresh. And the fact that it feels like because of that, and because of that success that they had, that it feels like they can do it again. Like it doesn't, it no longer feels like the curse is upon us. And like, it, it literally felt to me like before the Eagles won that Super Bowl that they were never going to win the Super Bowl. Like I was fully prepared mentally and physically and every, emotionally, every kind of way for the Eagles to never win. Like I just, cause it's so hard to do. And some teams still haven't done it. And I just figured like until the Eagles do it, I, it's just going to be really hard for me to believe that they're finally going to do it. So the fact that we're living in this world where the Eagles not only won a Super Bowl, but can compete for one again, I feel like it's never been this good, especially when you have the Phillies, this lineup that is insane. They're just like, they're crushing it and they're awesome and they're fun. And the Sixers, by the way, just lost to the Bucks, unfortunately. But I mean, they still have talent. You know, they're going into the playoffs probably as the number three seed. So they're, you know, they're obviously... They have some kind of shot in the playoffs. I don't know. Honestly, to be to be completely honest with you, I don't feel awesome about the Sixers right now. But whatever. They're the three seed. They're in the playoffs. They're they're much better than the Flyers, at least. So um, they're at least worth watching in some capacity. And then they will be in the playoffs. So it's awesome to be having this really interesting and fun baseball team and this playoff Sixers team and an Eagles team that's not playing right now, but still, you know, is going to be making moves in the draft and hopefully improving this roster of Super Bowl contention or Super Bowl worthy contention. Um, so it's good right now, man. It's a really good time. Yeah. And of course, nothing's going to compare to uh, 1980, the year all four teams, uh, the Phillies, Eagles, Flyers, Sixers went to the finals in their sport. Only the Phillies won it all, but the Eagles went to the Super Bowl. The Sixers went to the NBA finals and the Flyers went to the Stanley Cup finals that year. That was just an amazing year in Philly sports. And I don't think it's ever going to be topped. I mean, it's just, you can't top it. You can only have more teams win championships. I don't think we're ever going to see all four of our Philly sports teams move that far in the same season and ever again. That was pretty special. But what we got going on right now is pretty darn special. All right, BLG, as we wrap up episode number 44, any final thoughts? Final thoughts? Same thing as at the top of the show. Please rate, review, subscribe, five stars. As always, we appreciate it. We appreciate you listening here on BleedingGreenNation.com to BGN Radio. And make sure you subscribe to not only our feed, but obviously Hit and Season and The Good Fight and Liberty Ballers and Broad Street Hockey and all the podcasts we have here at the SB Nation Philly brand of team podcasts. So go do all that. Uh, really appreciate it. Lots of good content out there. I mean, you especially have to follow the Phillies one because the Phillies are awesome right now. And that's another thing. 
Um, just it's so fun to watch them in. It's just it's been great. I was at the ballpark on Saturday. It was the environment there was just unreal. Like it was just everyone was going crazy the whole game. It's just fun, man. It's fun that the Phillies are back. Yeah, that's right. This is a great time to jump in at the Good Fight podcast feed and to, to catch Hit and Season and all those podcasts. The Phillies are a really fun team now. We've had a lot of new subscribers over the last couple of weeks. We've been in the top 200 of Apple Podcast Sports and Recreation pods really for the last two weeks straight because of Harper and how good the team is doing. And so now's a great time to get in at the Good Fight. Uh, and uh, uh, if you're interested in some Phillies content, that's the that's the place to be. But again, yeah, check out all of our content partners, all of the SB Nation Philly Sports Family Podcasts, as BLG mentioned just a minute ago. And folks, uh, that'll do it for this episode of BGN Radio. Again, make sure you follow BLG on Twitter at Brandon Gowton. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolness. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to y'all next time right here on BGN Radio. Been a little too nice to y'all. Now I got a up price for y'all. Snake eyes on dice for y'all. Shoulders on ice for y'all. Frozen. A6 all the hate. I woke in a ball today. Got lost in the ball and age. I'm flipping the balls and flipping the ball. BGN.